Hello and welcome to Home to Her, the podcast that's dedicated to reclaiming the lost and stolen wisdom of the sacred feminine. I'm your host, Liz Kelly, and on each episode, we explore her stories and myths, her spiritual principles, and most importantly, what this wisdom has to offer us right now. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I am Liz, joining you as usual from Central Virginia, United States, and the unceded lands of the Monica Nation. And I am really glad that you are here with me today. So a few reminders before we jump in. My book, Home to Her, Walking the Transformative Path of the Sacred Feminine, published by Womancraft Publishing, is available wherever books are sold. If you have an interest in the sacred feminine, you want to understand more about what she is, some of the historical evidence of her, and what relevance she might have to your life, then this could be the book for you. Um, on earlier episodes, you may have heard me encouraging you to buy it directly from the publisher or from your local bookstore or ordering it from a minority-owned business and having it shipped to you. And if you've read it and are willing, I would love to receive your reviews on Amazon and Goodreads in particular. I feel like what we're talking about on the show really is um, system disruption and transformation of toxic cultures. But in the meantime, there's a whole game that us niche authors have to play to get, help people find our, our work. So it's really hard to do that without community support. So if you have read the book and you've enjoyed it, please help me spread the word. And the same goes for this podcast. Your reviews really help other people find this work too. So if it's been helpful to you at all, and it would bring you joy to do so, please take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. I would be so grateful. And then finally, if you're on social media, come and follow me on Instagram. I'm at home to her, or you can join the home to her Facebook group. If Facebook is your thing, where you'll find lots and lots of people who are also interested in this topic, the sacred feminine. I will put all that in the show notes. And away we go. All right. So my guest today is a fellow podcaster whose work I just love. Um, I had the opportunity to talk to her on her show, the Sacred Feminine Power podcast, where she's having some really profound and intimate conversations um, that not surprisingly are very much in alignment with what we talk about here too. Um, and I know that she's been really deep in this work of the Sacred Feminine for a long time now. Um, so I know that she's got a lot of wisdom to share with us. Um, she also has a really nice voice to listen to, which you'll get to hear just a little side note, kind of perk. So anyways, let me go ahead and introduce her to you now. <laughs> Emmy Mutali is an intuitive healer, energy medicine practitioner, and a shamanic womb priestess and teacher dedicated to reawakening ancient feminine wisdom. She holds safe, sacred space for deep healing and transformation for women of all ages around the world, enabling the emergence of authentic connection, profound knowing, and inner power, and raises the frequency of our planet by fostering healing one womb at a time. Emmy is also a best-selling author and host of the Sacred Feminine Power podcast and runs House of Gaia, a suburban sanctuary and center for healing and transformation in Lusaka, Zambia. With an MA, master's degree in human rights, and a two-decade-long career in the humanitarian field, Emmy continues to work on women's and child rights and is an advocate for health freedom. And she is joining us today from her home in Finland. Emmy, thank you so much for being here. It's an honor to have you with me. Oh, thank you so much, Liz. I'm, I'm blushing from your introduction. <laughs> Lovely to be here. <laughs> I do. I, I do sometimes tell guests that like one of my favorite things is to just reflect their greatness back to them in the beginning because you know that the, the work that you're doing is so important so um I'm thrilled that we're going to get to talk about it um mm, thank you yeah well so I usually like to start with my guests from talking about um your spiritual background and uh what were your experiences growing up and one of the reasons I really like to dive into that question is I think it's interesting to see if there is a through line, you know, if there, was there anything useful? <laughs> Sometimes there's not <laughs> that we get in the beginning that, and what, how that has kind of played out in your life now. So I'd love to start there if that's all right with you. Mm, absolutely. That's a beautiful question. And I grew up in a family that was um, at least in theory, Christian. 
and we belong to the um, Protestant or Evangelic Lutheran faith. And whilst my parents were not hugely religious, we didn't go to church, we didn't read the Bible, we didn't pray or anything like that, I nevertheless realized that the Protestant work ethic and the idea of having to be a good girl to make it in life were very, very strongly instilled in me. Mm. In my teens, I rebelled very strongly against Christianity, at least inside me internally. And what that meant for me is I threw away the notion of God. I threw away the notion of Jesus and Virgin Mary. I threw away the notion of angels even. And just kind of went very much on my own unique spiritual path already then. Even as a child, as a young child, I was very drawn to the healing arts. I was very drawn to shamanic societies. I was drawn to indigenous cultures and philosophies. And then as a teenager, I really started to read more and more on these kinds of topics. And also included a pretty heavy dose of philosophers like Nietzsche and Schopenhauer in my books, which was quite a heavy, heavy kind of reading to do for a 16, 17, 18 year old. Yeah, wow. (laughs) (laughs) And um, started meditating as a teenager already. And then in my early 20s, started to learn my healing, first healing modalities as well. Mm -hmm. So it was quite an interesting mixture of this very strong ethic around needing to be the good girl. And then at the same time, rebelling against what I was being taught in school and through the church or Sunday school, which I very, very rarely attended, but nevertheless, and always had this very strong calling, this pull towards animism and and indigenous cultures and philosophies, which for me continues to be this really beautiful thread um, that I still revere and honor in so many ways. Wow. I'm so glad that you named... um the Protestant work ethic, you just did a little light bulb for me too, about how even when we're not raised in super religious households, those values get translated into culture Mm. in all kinds of different ways and can be just as, um, I was going to use the word constrictive. I don't know if you would agree with that word, but that, you know, can be just as constrictive for us. Um, so that is really interesting because I think I definitely grew up with something similar. Mm, Absolutely. And it for sure is restrictive as well. Yes. Yeah. And, it, and it really molds your your life's journey in a very specific way. And for a lot of us, it can be really difficult to actually see that and to step out of it because it really feels like the norm. It feels like the thing you have to do. Yes, totally. And so I'm curious then, in, did you grow up in Finland? Was that was that where you were originally from? or Until the age of 11, and then we moved abroad. So since then, I've pretty much lived away from Finland most of my life. Got it. Okay. All right. And then, so tell me about um, the divine feminine. I I would imagine growing up, even in like a not super religious Protestant household, you probably didn't get much of Mary, Mother Mary to begin with, right? Yeah, no, I didn't either. (laughs) No, not too much. No, no. no. It was all about God and Jesus, whatever was given to us. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. So then tell me how the divine feminine, sacred feminine showed up in your life. And, and also if you don't, I think you do, you, you, you use that language, but I just wanted, I I try to give space for people if they prefer to use other language, but since your podcast is called sacred feminine power, I'm going to assume you're okay with that language, but yeah. Yes, I am. (laughs) Okay. How did tell it, tell me about how she um, showed up for you. Mm, It actually took quite some time. Mm. Um, I I grew up, um, well, actually, I I lived for most of my life in a very masculine energy, very much in that patriarchal society around having to have external validation for yourself and needing to work hard. And I had very high goals. I was very ambitious in terms of my career, which I was building in in the humanitarian field and in the um, human rights field working especially on women's and child rights. And I was really very much focused on rising up the career ladder and having more and more responsible positions, whether that was within the UN or within the civil society or NGO world, Mm -hmm. and very much focused on on becoming a name in that field as well. And during this time, I had kind of 
walked away from my spiritual path quite strongly. I was a mother to two very small kids, wanting to be the perfect mama at home, and then really focusing on my career at the same time. And there really was no space for anything else, even for me, in terms of me time. And um, for quite a few years, I kept on pushing and pushing and pushing and driving myself really to the point of exhaustion in many ways. Mm -hmm. Until one day, I literally found myself crying on the bathroom floor in a heap, just looking for a way out, even a permanent way out. Mm -hmm. And that was in many ways a turning point for me. Uh, Although I didn't know it at the time, I could... In that moment of darkness and desperation, I could feel something stirring inside my heart, inside my heart space. It was almost like this little sprout almost that was starting to lift its head. And although I had no idea how I was going to make it, I knew I was going to be okay. And that really started my own healing journey in a big way, that moment of, of collapse. And slowly, slowly, I started to get back onto my spiritual path, started to, again, learn more healing modalities until my cup was full and started to overflow. And I could start to share what I had learned with others as well. However, this was still very much from a masculine energy of like striving and pushing and needing to work hard to to do anything for myself and to, to make it out there, so to speak. And... I can't remember exactly when it started to happen, but at some point in my meditations, Yeshua started to appear to me and he kept on coming to me, kept on coming to me. And I was like, oh my goodness me, what is he doing here? I threw him away such a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And Yeshua, for people who may not know, this is another name for Jesus, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, Yeah. thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. And I started to connect with him. And started to really tap into this message of love, this profound, deep love that he carries. Mm -hmm. And he is actually the one who then started to introduce me to Mary Magdalene and then to Mother Mary. And in this beautiful way, brought me to the divine feminine, to the sacred feminine. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, I really didn't have a strong connection to Mother Mary to, to begin with. But I had a really interesting experience. I was in Johannesburg in South Africa at the time, and I went into a bookshop that I really, really loved. And I was walking amongst the aisles, picking up books that I really wanted to read. And then there were were these oracle cards on one shelf. And I didn't even work with oracle cards at the time, but I was really strongly pulled and drawn to the Mother Mary Oracle deck by Alana Fairchild. Mm -hmm. And I picked it up and I looked at the image on the cover and there was something stirring up in me when I was just looking at that cover. And then I looked at the price of the Oracle deck and I was like, "Mm, no, not for me this time around. Let me stick to my books. And as I was about to leave the bookstore, I felt this really strong urge to turn around and I literally had to go pick up that Oracle deck. I couldn't leave it behind. And once I bought that Oracle deck and I started working with the cards and working with the energy and vibration of Mother Mary, so much started to open up for me so much started to fall into place I started to work with Mother Mary as one of my main guides and and she's been such an amazing amazing guide for me ever since and then slowly from there once I got introduced to the warm awakening world and started to connect with my warm space that was when things really, really started to unravel and open up for me in terms of the divine feminine. And I got introduced to the warm work through my my teachers, Azra and Saren Bertrand, um, the authors of the Warm Awakening book. Uh And um, it really was like a revolution within me, like this missing piece that I had been looking for for such a long time. And at the same time, something that felt so familiar something so deeply ingrained in my cellular memory that once I started to work with my womb space and started to understand at a deeper level what our disconnection from the womb meant and what it meant to reconnect with the power and wisdom of our wombs. Wow, so, so much opened up for me. Mm, Wow. Okay, there's so much there to to work with. Um, I love it. I first of all just find it really interesting that your path into the sacred it 
It's interesting. And I guess also now that I've been having a lot of these conversations over the years, I guess not that surprising. It makes sense to me that um, Jesus, Yeshua would have been your entry point into the divine feminine. And I know for a, there are a lot of people and probably a lot of listeners here who are trying to heal from toxic forms of Christianity. So just, you know what, if this doesn't resonate with you, just leave it. It's okay. It's totally okay. Well, a lot of us have had really different experiences of Christianity and some that have been profoundly harmful. And so I just want to acknowledge that. Um, That said, though, I think for me, when I have, you know, looked a little deeper and gone beyond religious dogma and felt into the energy of, of Yeshua and what I, what I feel that, that he represents, it also makes total sense to me that he would be the guide back to the divine feminine. And I think, and I'd be curious what you think about this, Emmy, but um, that, that, that may have been his original intention in the first place was (laughs) trying to provide an entry point in that, um, I, I, I'm losing the word, but like, you know, just putting us back together, like, you know, what, what preceded that was extremely patriarchal. And then of course, um, the, the powers that be got a hold of Christianity and built a big church around it and turned it into something different again. But I think if you look at Jesus's original teachings and you think about them as, um, kind of like Buddhist cones, you know, riddles that you are like spiritual riddles that you're unpacking, there's a lot of feminine energy in those teachings. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I consider him a womb shaman. Yeshua mm-hmm. was absolutely a womb shaman. And his message is very much about union, as you say, and about inner and outer harmony and balance and uniting the sacred feminine and sacred masculine energies within ourselves. And through that, then spreading that message of union and love outside as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about working with the womb space and maybe let's even just back up and talk about what that, what that, what does that mean? You know, I think for a lot of women, a lot, all of us are kind of cut off from our bodies. Right. And we primarily know how to interact with concepts from our head, um, as opposed to an embodied place. So maybe we just start there with like, tell us about like how you see the womb. We all know this is where babies grow, right? But like how you see this from an energetic space and what it means to work with that energy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, for me, the womb is really the holy of the holies, a really sacred cauldron within ourselves that contains an incredible amount of power and wisdom. Mm-hmm. And is potentially also an incredibly healing space. We can work with the energy of our wombs to to connect to ancient feminine wisdom. We can work with our wombs to travel to other dimensions, use it as a portal to eons of knowing. We can use our wombs to connect with women all around the world in this lifetime and others. We can use our womb spaces to to birth and nurture dreams Mm. and visions and to manifest the kinds of lives that we're wanting to lead, to manifest a collective that matches the kind of future we see for our planet from the perspective of the collective. And when I say collective, I don't mean just human beings, but all that is alive on our planet. Mm -hmm. And even beyond our planet, if we extend our worldview to consists not just of planet earth but galaxies and universes or multiverses beyond ours mm-hmm. our womb is truly a multi-dimensional portal that allows us to travel and journey and connect with all this amazing knowing and wisdom and energy a real powerhouse a powerhouse that we have been conditioned to forget about and to be disconnected from specifically because of the power that it holds. Mm. And if we look at ancient cultures, if we look at our ancestors way, way back, they recognize the power of the womb and they revered women, not just because we were the birthers and givers of life, because as you said, it is in our womb spaces that new life is formed and nurtured. But they also understood the connection of women's wombs to the womb of Gaia. So this Mm. nurturing, nourishing, fertile space at the core of Mother Earth 
that gives life to us all, as well as our connection to, to the great cosmic womb, which is also called the primordial black hole or the womb of the creatrix and how this space can nurture and nourish us and bring in this expansive quality to our lives as well when we learn to connect with that. And of course, through our womb spaces, through our menstrual cycles, we are connected to the cycles of nature in so many ways and to the cycles of the moon. Mm-hmm. And the more you start to connect these dots, the more you start to understand that you hold this power within you, the more it starts to open up as well. And it's important to remember as well that you don't need to have a physical womb. So even if you had a hysterectomy and you no longer had the physical organ within you, the energy and the vibration of the womb will always be with you. And you can learn to connect and work with this energy as well. Mm. Super interesting. Well, and I'm wondering too for, because I'm thinking about when we we think about this part of our body, I'm thinking of like the broader cultural lensing that we get now first of all it's a it's a medical it's like right we put it in medical terms we're talking about the uterus i don't know what that word means i wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't like an old white guy's name uh because i just saw a thing about how so many parts of our bodies are actually named for uh old white guys who that's right quote discovered them do you know i don't know where the name uterus comes from but i know like fallopians come from some doctor that was like dr fallopus or something that's correct. Yeah. I need to check what uterus actually comes from, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Okay. Yeah. So I, maybe I'll Google that after this and put it in the show notes if I figure that out. But, um, but we think about it as like a medical, like from a medical term, right. Or just yeah. like very, there's a, there's a real clinical way in which I think we are conditioned to think about our bodies. Um, mm-hmm. and I know for me, um, at least before I got on this sacred feminine path, that's like not a part of the body I ever even considered until I was growing a baby in it. And even the process of bleeding, right? That is blood that is being shed from the womb, from the uterus every month. Um, I never really thought about it at all. And so I'm wondering, um, what do you see as sort of like a, like what, what was the, how do you start to shift, you know, out of that kind of dominant cultural narrative of this is like a clinical name for your body or, you know, it doesn't have much use except unless you're going to carry a child in it. How do you shift from that into understanding, understanding it in more the way you're talking about from this like vast energetic perspective? Mm. For me, it really is about learning to connect with the womb. So having a very personal connection to the sacred part within you. I very much the same as you. I I never connected with my womb space. Even when I was pregnant, I was connecting to my babies, but not to my womb. And I never realized that the womb had a purpose beyond that. It just wasn't taught to us. It's not being taught to us at school. It's not being taught to us by our mothers or grandmothers. It's just like this forgotten knowledge, hidden knowledge that is now slowly starting to really emerge and and wake up in us again. And that's why so many women, when they hear us talk about the womb, when they hear us talk about the great mother, for example, are having these really visceral experiences, these realizations, these little awakenings, goosebump moments or womb winks, as I like to call them, that are really starting to call them back to this ancient knowing around the connection. And For me, it really does boil down to having this personal connection to our womb. So learning to communicate with our womb spaces. And at its very simplest, it could literally mean placing our hands on our lower bellies, on our womb spaces, and feeling the warmth of our palms against our skin and allowing that connection to slowly start to form. It could also be literally about going into It doesn't even have to be a really meditative state, but really just starting to go within and starting to consciously connect with the womb. And this will be different for everybody. Some people, some women will be able to see the womb space as the biological or physiological uterus that there is. Some might sense a shape, an abstract shape. Some might just sense a color. Some might hear something. However it is that the womb presents itself to you or herself to you, use that to start to listen to the messages of your womb. So on a daily basis, just 
place your hands on your womb, close your eyes, take a few deep breaths and consciously just form that connection. Say hello to her, smile at her, start to tune into her energy that will also change and shift on a daily basis. And when you're more comfortable with that connection and you're really starting to feel the energy, start asking your womb questions. Like, what do you need today? Do you have a message for me today? How are you doing? Like talking to your oldest best friend and really becoming, forming this sacred relationship, this communion with your womb. Mm -hmm. Yes. And as you were talking, two things came up for me. One, it's I'm glad that you mentioned like image or something like that, because I was already <clears throat> seeing, sensing a spiral when you were talking, mm -hmm. like um, kind of sacred spiral is what came up for me. Um, yeah. And then the other thing that came up when I was thinking about cultural and, and then maybe for myself too, but um, kind of cultural messaging around womb space is the word shame really big. Yes. And so yeah. I wonder what's been your What's been your journey with that, both personally, if you're willing to share, but then also maybe some of the work that you do with women? Because um, mm -hmm. I would imagine that in order to connect with whatever energy we might have, we've you have to confront like the the wounds that are 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 there, right? And I, I would guess yeah. a lot of us are carrying them. A lot of us are carrying. I would say all of us are carrying them to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. And for me, the word shame is more associated with our with our vulvas, with our vaginas, mm -hmm. and also known as yonis or the jade gate, depending on which path, which kind of a path you follow. Um, and the womb has kind of just been this forgotten mm -hmm. part of our bodies that literally just simply exists for the virtue of birthing babies. Mm -hmm. And that is talked about in clinical terms. Mm -hmm. um having said that a lot of us do carry a whole lot of grief and shame inside our wombs mm -hmm. a lot of the experiences that we go through that can be hugely traumatic for us as women from unfulfilling relationships or uh, relationships that are void of emotion or abusive relationships or sexual experiences that are harmful to us that are traumatic to us whether it's forced sexual intercourse or rape or just simply sexual intercourse with someone that you don't feel connected to can all leave energetic imprints and do leave energetic imprints inside our womb spaces that can remain there for decades and kind of build up into these energetic scars that at some point can even manifest as illness or disease such as endometriosis or or fibroids, or any other womb-related stuff. Um, also, if we have had traumatic experiences in terms of pregnancy, in terms of childbirth, or in terms of loss of a child, whether that is abortion or miscarriage or the early death of a child, all of that gets stuck inside our womb spaces and remains there as trauma. Uh, experiences that you may have had with doctors or nurses if you gave birth in a hospital, their attitudes towards you, their attitudes towards the kind of birthing process that you're wanting to have. Like, for example, for me, uh, with my first child, my son, um, he was he, they wanted to um, schedule a cesarean section because he was a breech baby. And I adamantly wanted to give birth to him naturally, despite the fact that he was in a breech position. And yet at that time, I was not yet on this path and just kind of gave in to the authorities, the, the opinions yeah. of the medical personnel, which is so, so easy for us, all of us to do. Oh, yeah. And then ended up having a cesarean, which for me was the most disempowering, the most absurd experience of my life, not feeling anything at all from the waist down. And then suddenly having this this baby lifted from me and not even placed on my chest right away, but taken from me to be washed and cleaned and bundled up and then presented to me. And I just remember feeling so completely disconnected from that whole process yeah. from the very beginning. And, and they even tried to turn him inside my womb at one point to try and ensure that it would be a natural birth. And he absolutely refused. He wanted to come out with his feet first. Mm. Of course he did. I mean, that's that's him, <laughs> even to this day. It's like he's got a very strong will and he does things his own way. And he wanted to be mm -hmm. born his own way. And that was kind of taken away from him and from me. Mm 
Um, so I've been doing a lot of work around that uh, for myself as well. Um, and then also another thing that's really coming strongly right now is is the 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 complete over medicalization of of pregnancy and the birth process itself, yeah. completely disregarding our body's natural knowing around the fact that our bodies know exactly what to do. We were born to give birth. We were born to go through pregnancy. And our bodies are incredibly intelligent organisms. They know exactly what to do and exactly the right time when the baby is meant to be born. And of course, there are exceptions. Of course, there are cases when um, modern medicine and interventions like that are absolutely life-saving. I'm not saying that, but overall, we really have taken the objectification and the monitoring of pregnancy and childbirth to a whole new level that probably isn't even necessary. And in many cases is really about disempowering the woman on purpose and taking away that, that instinctual, that um, innate knowing that our bodies know what, what to do. Oh yeah, I think that's such an important conversation to be had. And I think we need to be having it all the time. And it's just, just so much more and so much more broadly. I was even thinking about um, how we say that a doctor or a midwife delivered your baby. Mm. No, they didn't. You delivered your baby, like <laughs> your, your baby delivered themselves, or, you know, you were in co-creation with this child, this force that wants to come through you. It, it, it has, and look, I'm not I'm grateful for the doctor and the midwife each who, who helped me with the births of both of my children. But um, their work is at the end, <laughs> you know. Like it's, and how strange it is that we would have taken that language. Like it's, it's almost like at every point we've um, taken the power away yes. from the birthing mother and tried to put it in the hands, you know, historically of men. Uh, I know that's changed, and there's certainly women who are doctors and midwives are becoming more common now, but, um, and of course they were long ago, but right. We have, we have tried to take that away. And, um, yeah, I, I, I can see how, and that would tie back to, and, and so stick with us if you're not a, a parent and, you know, aren't, and don't have any intention to, but I can, I can see how that, um, really makes us doubt our own intuition and our own wisdom. Because I know for me, Emmy, similar to you, especially with my second child, I had really clear, I felt that he and I were in clear communication with each other. And um, I think the first birth, I was just too scared. You know, I just, I wasn't there yet. Um, but I think he and I really knew what needed to happen. And I wanted to trust that with all my heart. I really did. And I was afraid to, mm. you know, I was of advanced maternal age. <laughs> right. And so, um, there were all kinds of reasons why I shouldn't be trusting myself because something could go wrong. Mm. And so yeah, I don't have any shame about that, but I can see how that gets in the way of us understanding that power that is right there in the body. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And that that is really a centuries long systematic suppression and oppression of the power of women. It's it's very purposeful and it's specifically targeted at women and our power to birth because we are so powerful. Yeah. Well, and I also think, too, for those people who are not ever planning to be parents here, I would have I'd love to hear you talk a little bit, too, about just um creative source in general too, from an energetic perspective, because I know when I am trying to bring forth a new project or, you know, where I was writing my book or whatever, it definitely felt like a birthing process. So I was mm -hmm. thinking of this part of my body as a guide too. So I wonder if you could speak to that a, a little bit. Mm, yeah. What you shared there just reminded me of my own experience when I was birthing my very first program, when I had just set up my business, Feminine Revered, and I was working on my first program and I was full of fear and excitement at the same time. And I literally felt like I was pregnant during that process. It was the most bizarre thing. It was like my, my tummy was swelling and I felt like this energetic 
almost like heaviness, not a bad heaviness, but like this sense of pressure inside mm. my body. And I even didn't have my period for over three months during that time that I was wow. birthing my project. So that for me was a very real example of how our wombs truly are birth yes. portals, not just for children, but for projects, for, for art, for books, for new ideas, for dreams and visions, like I mentioned earlier. And yeah. the more we learn to connect with our wombs and, and really learn to work with the alchemy, the alchemical energies inside our womb spaces, the more we can the more power we have behind our projects and our dreams as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're also making me think too, of like the benefits of reconnecting to that, um, to that wisdom could also inform us the way in which we approach work, which um, I know for me coming out of, you know, a lot of what you were saying in your intro is, or, you know, when you're giving your, your spiritual background and your background in general, it really resonated with me too, that sort of, um, you know, kind of push forward at all costs and um, make a name for yourself and that sort of success. And everything is, everything is defined by a, a timeline that is really arbitrary, but doesn't feel arbitrary, right? Like if you're trying to launch something, you're trying to get something done, like, okay, well, we all agreed to it. So we got to do it. And if you work until 2am, you work until 2am, we all agreed that this is what we're going to do. And there's no questioning that, right? And mm. what a beautiful thing it would be to turn to the power of the body and the mm. wisdom of the womb for real evidence of this is the way birth happens. This is the way things come into the world naturally. And of course, I mean, one of the first thing that things that comes up for me when I think of that is we have to let go of control and the idea yeah. that me, you know, brain up here or even desire or whatever is in charge because it's, it's not right. I mean, no. Yeah. yeah. We are just so not in control. And the more we learn to trust and surrender to the notion that there is something so much bigger than us, something so much wiser than us, something that knows so much more than we do, the, the more flow there will also be in our lives. And what you said about really truly learning to listen to our bodies, our body's wisdom, and really, especially for us women, connecting with our cycles and then aligning our workflow with our cycles as well the more ease and flow and grace there is throughout our lives as well and the way our lives are structured in terms of the eight to four office hours and having to work monday to friday monday to saturday and needing to meet those deadlines no matter what is going on for us even if we're feeling bloated or having cramps for, for example from our from, from our menses we just need to push and push and push and get through it. Again, this is the patriarchal way of living. And it doesn't on purpose take into consideration the cyclical nature of women and is designed to suppress our power. Because when we are so focused on our goals, when we are so focused on achieving and seeing results, we forget to listen to our bodies. We forget to listen to our deep inner essence. And when we are in that state, we completely and totally are disconnected from our power as well. Mm -hmm. Have you found it easier over time to shift um, the ways in which you work, you know, to kind of listen to that womb wisdom and power? And do you still, I don't know if I use the word struggle, but do you still run up against that? Because one of the things that I feel like comes up for me at a personal place is just that. I, I don't, we love individuals here in the U S right. Like as a very, we're a very individualistic kind of place, <clears throat> but I don't exist outside of my ecosystem. Like it's just not possible. Mm -hmm. And this ecosystem, and I could be talking about nature in my backyard, which is beautiful and supportive thing. I'm also talking about the cultural ecosystem and, um, I, I don't have like steel boundaries around me, you know, like, so that kind of stuff still, it touches me. And so I find that can be really challenging still of like, look, I know that I have this inner wisdom. I know that there's a way in which I can show up differently in the world when I'm in ceremony, when I'm with like-minded people, it's all so, so, so clear. 
And yet we don't live that way all the time, right? We, you know, we have to interact with this, with the culture in which we are a part of. I guess you don't have to, but I have chosen to. I'm not going to go live on a mountain alone. So I wonder for you how you, is it a dance? Are you still like, how does that work for you? How has it shaped the way you work? And is it, is that a dynamic thing that's continuing to change or, you know, what does that look like for you? Mm, It's still very much a dance for sure. And it's something that I'm learning more and more deeper on a daily basis, really. As you mentioned, you mentioned the word spiral earlier. And for me, it is just this ever deepening spiral into my own essence into my own body wisdom and my knowing and and really learning to respect and revere that knowing more and more um i am so very fortunate now that through my business i get to design my days so i choose to dedicate my mornings to me so i do my own sacred practices in the morning uh whether that's looking after my body through um, celery juice and a specific kind of smoothies, for example, or doing my meditation, doing my qigong or my yoga, and and really just spending time in gratitude for all that I have, and visioning, visioning all the beautiful things that I'm I'm creating and still to create and wanting to birth into the world, and only after a certain amount after certain time will i start seeing clients or working on my projects for example mm-hmm. it doesn't always happen but i'm getting better and better at it and it really is a learning process it is a commitment it is perhaps the deepest commitment to yourself that you can agree to mm-hmm. and and for me really coming from that Protestant work ethic where I have been taught to work hard and where staying up until 2 a.m. was was very normal at one point in my life when I was working as a consultant and having to write long reports and having to analyze documents and um, bringing in work from a team, for example. I did crazy long hours, 12, 13, 14 hours a day. And that for me was the norm. And through stepping into more and more into this world of the sacred feminine, I'm learning to communicate with my body. I'm learning to respect those times when I feel tired. And instead of pushing, I'm going to go and have a nap or do a qigong routine that energizes me. Or when my vibration is off, I'm just not feeling like I'm working. I'm honoring that. And instead of trying to write a newsletter or record, for a podcast, for example, I'm going to go out for a walk and connect with the trees in the forest. And mm-hmm. it, it really is a deep learning curve. That's all I can say. Mm-hmm. And it's it really, it boils down to loving me, loving yes. myself as exactly the way I am and honoring my cycles, honoring my body and honoring what is truly important for me. And having said that, of course, when you are a mother, it's not always so easy to do that either because our kids have their own needs and they have their own, you know, tough days, challenges, and sometimes just their presence, their energy is so huge. You're trying to be in a silent space and connect and meditate. And then all you hear around you is is the kids either arguing or singing or whatever they might be doing to express themselves and again you know learning to be in that moment letting go of what you were trying to do without resentment without frustration and allowing the moment to to carry you very much on a learning path with that one as well (laughs) Mm -hmm. oh yeah well and and I also think as part of that we don't yet have the kind of community that I think can support us and hold us in that, you know, like we, so many of us don't have that because we are organized into this idea of the nuclear family. And so it is on you and only you to step in and deal with whatever your children need. And um, if there's legitimate community around you, then I would imagine that you've, you've got many helping hands, you know, so then you, we, we lift each other up. I like to think that our generation is, the one that's sorting through the mess right now, you know, that's like, okay, boy, 
we know this isn't working. We got to get it better. And we're just like throwing stuff at the wall and trying to figure out if it's going to stick. And like we're practicing and it's messy and that hopefully our children and their children, if they choose to have them, you know, who knows how long humans are going to get to be around on this planet anyways, but that we will, we're figuring it out. And so that's what I tell myself to give myself permission to be like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm just trying to sort it out because I do feel like we don't really, we don't have a roadmap of where, where we're trying to do go or we do, but it's really way back in our history and not easy, easily accessed by enough people, I think. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I'm, I'm dreaming of communal living of, you know, completely off grid, eco, ecological, self-sufficient, self-sustainable way of living, being with like-minded people and, um, yeah, really being able to lead a life that is independent, sovereign from the craziness that our current systems and structures are founded on and built on. Yeah, the other thing that's I'm wondering about, because I know um, I'd like to ask you how you're continuing like your work on women's and child rights and how that lens has changed for you as opposed to your career, you know, and in humanitarian work from this very like linear masculine, I don't know, it doesn't have to be masculine, but that very kind of patriarchal way to, with your understanding now, what does that, what does that look like for you? And what does that mean in terms of that work for you? Mm, yeah. Well, I consider myself incredibly blessed and lucky to have been able to see the impact of patriarchy from that perspective as well. So really seeing how it impacts the lives of especially poorer um, often rural women in different parts of the world and really got a very strong foundation in understanding the dynamics between men and women, between masculine and feminine energy in, in different kinds of societies. And it really continues to fuel the work that I do now in the more in the healing and transformation world as well. Mm. And has really given me a deep, deep understanding of how intrinsic, how widespread the inequalities and the injustices are in terms of the treatment of women and the disregard of women in some societies, even as, as really human beings, as, as citizens, as individuals, and even in, in societies that we call modern or Western or however you want to turn them, the inequalities and the injustices are still very, very evident, um, sometimes in subtle ways, but very often in very explicit ways as well. Mm. And most of my work nowadays does focus on the healing and transformation work. So literally working with women one-on-one -on -one or in groups to heal the trauma and the wounds uh, from, from patriarchy, essentially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I occasionally still get a chance to interact at the more like the grassroots level, especially in Zambia, um, whether it's um, communicating and being in connection with school girls, for example, and looking at the, the reality that they go through in terms of, for example, menstrual health and not having easy access to, to hygienic menstrual products, for example, not having easy access necessarily to water, to clean water. Mm -hmm. And many girls, especially in the rural areas, but also in urban areas, needing to skip school um, at the time that they have their periods yeah. because it just gets too difficult and tricky to look after their hygiene. Yeah. Um, and it comes with all kinds of safety issues, with all kinds of um, power dynamics, um, and so on that we probably don't even have the time to go into right now. But yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, what I was thinking too, as you're talking is that, and, and all of my language, because this patriarchy, you know, kind of gave us our language. I'm finding that the language that I want to use is like, it's too patriarchal. But what I'm wondering is I'm thinking back to like tuning into both the energetic like the womb space is an energy as a metaphor and as a, a, a living thing that can be studied. Like we can actually study it from a, from a physiological perspective and watch how life comes forward, the mystery of it, like what we know and what we don't know. If we really took that and applied it to um, 
things, problems that we are trying to solve right now, ways of being in the world, like how we're trying to do it differently. If we'd have, and this is where my language is going patriarchal, if we'd have better quote results or output, or maybe the word I'm just looking for is ease rather Mm -hmm. than, you know, like I wonder what that might look like. I, I feel like I can feel it for myself, but then if you translate that up and out into real world problems, like, um, like poverty or, um, climate change, you know, like what, what that might mean for us, um, less, less pushing the river, you know, like less like, okay, I'm going to go A to B to B to B to B to C to this, 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 and it's all going to be on a super tight timeline. And my brain has all the answers. I would imagine it would become more of a rhythmic listening way of, and, and there's so much, I wonder how you feel about this, Emmy, but it seems like there's so much trust that is necessary in order to work that way and faith in the natural processes that I think is really hard for some people. Do you feel like that has come up in this womb work? It requires you to sort of trust in your body, but also trust in the mother in ways that we can't really see. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is needed. I think now more than ever, Mm. because when you look at the external world, it can all seem so chaotic and senseless and crazy and scary in so many ways. And there's so many rabbit holes that you can go down in terms of what is actually happening on our planet at the moment. And at the same time, we are truly seeing the systems and structures that we have kind of grown up trusting in, believing in, crumbling in front of our very eyes. I mean, we are more and more questioning the the financial system. We're more and more questioning the political system. We're questioning the um, economical system. We're questioning the educational system. And like all these deeply ingrained, deeply rooted institutions that I certainly had kind of like blind faith in governments to begin with as well. Mm -hmm. So many of us are waking up to to the reality that we have been lied to as the collective. And we have been, again, in a very systematic way, being kept in the dark about what is actually happening, who is actually in control, and how how massively we have deceived, been deceived into thinking that we have no power and that we that we are needing to, we must lead these lives where we grow up and start a family, start working in a job, no matter how brain numbing or backbreaking that job is, but we must do it because we must sustain ourselves and our families and we must play a big part of the society that we have been born into and contribute to that society by yes. spending our lives at the office or the factory or wherever it is that we we are working in. And more and more of us are really often through that connection to our bodies and to our wombs and to our intuition, really starting to see the cracks in that system, mm-hmm. starting to question more and more what is our true purpose? Who am I meant to be? Who am I meant to become? Who am I really truly at my deepest level? And the more we connect with the truth that we are love, that we are all divine, and that we have been born into these bodies in these lifetimes to make a difference on this planet, the more we start to step into our power, and the more those questions arise. And we realize that we actually know very, very little. Mm-hmm. And it almost like in the acknowledgement of we know little, then the answers start to come, but not from yeah. the brain, right? Not from the brain. It's from the heart space. It's from the womb. It's it's from the deepest layers of our souls. Yes. I'm wanting to share this example. So I just will, I guess. But um, the, the other day I was really like, there's just you know, stuff that I've been trying to work out in in my head and I'm just stuck. I can tell I'm just going around and around and around and around in a circle. And also I didn't sleep well. And, and so I came back from dropping my kids off at school and I really, you know, was like, I need to go sit down at my computer and, you know, or like make a list or something and figure things out. And all I really wanted to do was just rest for a little bit. And I really had this, I have a room 
it's a living room in my house, but we've kind of turned it into our ancestor room. So there's like, you know, pictures of my ancestors and my husband's ancestors. And, um, we just, we just brought home, um, hundred year old piano. That was my, my mom's that her, her parents gave her. And so that room feels very supportive. So I went and laid down with a blanket and I, I fell asleep for, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, not very long. I lay there for a while, but I fell asleep for maybe 10, 15 minutes. And then when I woke up, everything that I was just wrestling with was just, it was just clear. Like, I don't know. Everything was just clear. Like it was just fine. Mm -hmm. Everything was fine. Like the things that I was stuck on, I wasn't stuck on anymore. And it really got me thinking about like, wow, there's, there's, there's ease. So it's hard. It's so hard to trust it. Right. Cause we don't have a lot of experience doing it, yeah. but there's, there's an ease that can come, I think, in trusting the body, trusting that there's support beyond us. Um, however that shows up for us. Yeah. And then giving it a chance to actually talk to us and actually play out in our lives and seeing what happens. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Trusting I mean, that flow. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that we rescheduled this conversation initially because you needed time to rest too and integrate. And so really respect that, um, you know, you modeling that process as well. Mm. Yeah. And what I realized that is I'm, I'm feeling less and less guilty about that. I used to carry such huge amounts of guilt if I had to reschedule an appointment or if I had to rearrange a meeting, for example. And now it comes from this deep place of reverence for me. Yeah. And and this uncompromising agreement with me that I matter, that I am truly the most important thing to me. Mm-hmm. And if I don't hold on to that, then I'm not going to be able to be there for anyone else either. And it's it's really been interesting to consciously look at the amount of guilt that I used to hold and how that is now kind of it's 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 going away. Mm-hmm. It's 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 disappearing and it's it's being replaced by this trust yeah. that Everything is exactly as it's meant to be. And if a conversation doesn't take place on a Tuesday, it simply just is meant to take place a couple of weeks later on a Friday. And it's going to be an epic conversation because of that. Right. It'll be so much better (laughs) than if you just powered through anyways. Yeah. Yes, totally. Um, There's one other thing I wanted to say and just... You know, I'd, I'd love to hear you reflect on this. This is how I'm sorting it out in my head. And then maybe we'll we'll wrap up there. But um, when I was thinking about womb power in that space, it I think back to some of the older spiritual traditions that honor the sacred feminine. I think you see this in some shamanic traditions as well, um, where like the it's this idea of eminence, meaning like there isn't like a big God with a big G that's like out there that made stuff and then just disappeared. Right. Like, or or they made it, but they're not part of it. Like it's more like in the sacred feminine, as I understand it, she's, we are an aspect of her. Like there's nothing that is not her. So in that case, it would make total sense to think of your womb as like this cauldron of creation, if you will, and with tremendous power, because you're an expression of her, right? Does that resonate for you? Absolutely. We are an expression of her and she lives within all of us. And I I see us so completely connected in in all ways. Um, And it's not the way I initially thought about it. It's something that has grown within me as I've been, you know, deepening my connection to the sacred feminine and and the deeper I go on this path. It's, It's just becoming such an organic way of thinking about life of of our connection to everything to all that is and now it, i can't even imagine it any other way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i love that emmy it's been such a joy to be in conversation with you well worth waiting for thank you so much for your time <laughs> and your insights um tell us quickly uh how to find you Sure. So my website is feminineverevered.com. Mm-hmm. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook under that same name. And uh, my podcast, uh, you can just Google Sacred Feminine Power Podcast and you'll find it. You can also find it through my website. And um, if it's okay for you, Liz, I also have a free gift that I would be happy to share with the listeners, mm, which 
And this is a transmission from the wise old crone or the wise old woman called You Are a Miracle. And it's it puts you into a meditative state and really just reinforces the message that you are divine just by virtue of having been born. And you are a miracle just by virtue of having been born. Oh, I love it. Okay. I'm going to get all this in the show notes for you. And um, yes, thank you so much for being here. And um, thanks to all of you for listening as always. You know, if you like the show, you can um, tell others about it. You can subscribe. You can give it a favorable review. You can do all those things. And until next time, please take really good care of yourself. And I will be with you again very soon. is hosted by me, Liz Kelly. You can visit me online at hometoher.com where you can find show notes and other episodes. You can read articles about the sacred feminine and you'll also find a link to join the Home to Her Facebook group for lots more discussion and exploration of her. You can also follow me on Instagram at home to her to keep up to date with the latest episodes. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you back here soon.